This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Tuesday, November 24th. It is the week of Thanksgiving, so want to start out by just saying hope everyone has a nice holiday week. Uh, I know this, you know, may be a bit of an unorthodox time uh, celebrating the holidays, and some of us are certainly going to be alone or celebrating with with far less people or whatever, but hopefully this is a, a nice time for you wherever you are, your friends, your family, or just yourself. Just, just wishing you a happy season and Uh, a nice week off from work or whatever it is. I just want all of our listeners to be happy and have a nice time. That's really the message I want to convey. But we are back for more Cubs discussion, and we still don't have that much to talk about, uh, but we have officially ushered in a new era of Chicago Cubs baseball, and, and that is where I'm going to bring in my dear friend Brendan, and ask you, how, how, how have you been feeling the first few days of the Jed Hoyer era? Is, is the air different? Is, is the vibe different? What are, what are you feeling uh, in, in the, the Jed era now, as it were? My first reaction was, that's a nice suit that Jed Hoyer I was wearing. Some nice, like, bl- <laughs> yeah. Some nice like blue pinstripes. Uh, I think he already won up Theo in the fashion realm. Oh, so, I don't know. Off to a good start. I don't start. know about that. Well, I'm not dissing Theo over here. Just it's just more of an of a compliment to to Jed. I, that's but I fair, like this but I I would suggest you Google because I think there's a lot of photos of Theo in kind of some of those Cubs pullovers and stuff like Look, that. But he I've, he I've has been the a, biggest. He has a suit game, my friend. I know he does, but I've been the biggest Theo like Cubs fashion pusher, I guess, if you will. The guy has always had good Cubs fashion, but Jed is a little bit more like. Like formal, a little bit more corporate, but it was a subtle little blue color pinstripe that I really appreciated. All right, all so right. maybe I need to, to maybe start. I need to get that habit out of my system. My first instinct, even a week later, is, to is still Theo. no, no, no. Theo's better. <laughs> uh, no, sorry, Theo knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. have to get out of that. Um, but we're not here mm-hmm. to talk about fashion. Uh, well, sometimes we are, but not today. Yeah. Uh, so okay. what we're gonna do today 
is go through a little bit of the introductory press conference as Jed Hoyer is named uh, officially the president of baseball operations of the Chicago Cubs. And, you know, just look at what they talked about, some of the stuff he said, some of the stuff that Tom Ricketts said during that press conference, and I think have a a bit of a free-flowing conversation on where this offseason seems to be heading. I I know we've talked about this a lot in in pretty broad terms, but what I think we're going to end up doing today is taking a look at some of the the potential paths that seem to be the most talked about as it relates to this team. Some of the things that were just, you know, there there's the most smoke uh, in those fires and, and appear to just be where we're heading. And talk about the nuances of each of those paths, the difference between them. And I think one thing that I'd especially like to do is at least touch on how important wording is when you're reading these reports and, and reading the suggestions of what the Cubs are going to do. Because a lot of these words have different meanings to different people, and they would mean different things to us uh, as fans and, and you know, patrons of this team. So we'll get into all of that. And one caveat that I would like to offer is I think because nothing has really happened with the Cubs roster, obviously stuff has happened uh, in general, and we're, you know, we're still waiting for those tender decisions and, and sort of a, and, you know, a first hint as to where all of this is going, Right. It's it's still pretty broad, but I, I would say this episode may be a bit more of a free-flowing conversation where we're a little all over the place uh, just because that's kind of where we're at. So I, I think normally we try to structure things like, hey, we're going to talk about this, then this, then this, then this. This is going to be about the off season, so we might bounce around a little bit. It might be a linear thing. I don't know. Theo's gone, so things we don't have to. Uh, you know, things are not necessarily linear, like he always used to say. Um, <laughs> so let's let's just take a look at the press conference, Brendan. And it was pretty simple. I, I don't think that anything happened in that press conference that uh, should have left anyone taken aback or shocked or anything like that. And normally with these press conferences, we always kind of like to point out a reminder that while Theo was always very open and I think honest and and forthcoming with his plans and intentions and, and justifications for the things that he was doing, this is still a press conference, right? And Tom and Jed, even if they're giving us hints or an allusion to what they're going to be doing in the future here, we don't have to take everything as gospel that they say, and we also don't have to assume that Jed is going to get up on this podium uh, where he's accepting a huge promotion and accepting a, a milestone achievement for his career and his family and his life and, you know, lay all of his cards on the table, right? So it's just always one of those like, yes, there's some interesting stuff in here. There's some stuff that probably you can read between the lines, etc. But at the end of the day, this is still a press conference that is being put out to the media and the fans and thus is not necessarily uh, exactly, you know, the, the, the veil isn't lifted completely just because it sometimes sounds like it is. But I think it was a pretty standard press conference. I think one of the differences, at least with this one and compared to, you know, maybe some other big press conferences that we've paid attention to in the past, and I, I believe he alluded to this a few times, is that Jed has been here, right? This isn't a new person. This isn't a new face. Uh, we don't always hear from Jed in the, in the past, uh, as he also made kind of a joke of that he sat at a lot of press conferences with Theo, but never got any questions and, and never, never really spoke at any of them. Um, but this is not a, a new face. So it, it's an introductory press conference to a new role, but we're not being introduced to Jed Hoyer. We know Jed Hoyer. He's been in baseball for a very long time. You can go look at his track record and even just his experience with the Cubs. So uh, it it wasn't, um, you know, kind of like when they introduced Joe Madden or when Theo Epstein was introduced. You know, that was like, here's a new face. We're learning from them. We're getting to know this person. We're getting to know Jed a little more, but he's been here. Like, we, we know kind of uh, 
what he is doing. So, Brendan, I'll I'll just ask you. We're not going to go through the entire press conference. It was, uh, you know, lengthy in, in you know terms of his comments, Tom's comments, the the questions that they asked. Um, but did anything stand out to you? Any quotes? Yeah. Uh, anything that Jed said? Anything that Tom said? Anything that when we're looking at this, you you really highlighted and and think is is worthy of further discussion? Well, there was a lot of different tidbits that he put out there that are informative. But the one that stood out to me was, and this is just a paraphrase, but he said there's a range of budgets that they've discussed with uh, the Ricketts and that there's not one specific budget that they nailed down specifically. And why is that? Uh, he basically explained there's just too much uncertainty to have that final number yet. And that certainty comes from COVID, whether or not there'll be fans in the stands, maybe some other uncertainties that um, are there with the TV deal and marquee and all that. So all that is to say is if you're looking into this press conference for like, you know, your clear cut path forward, it doesn't exist yet. Not even the president of baseball operations has that plan yet. And that's because you don't have the budget yet. So when we talk about whether the Cubs will rebuild or whether they'll just try to compete for one more year, then try to rebuild. I don't think there is the intention to do either yet. And I think there's a lot of different possibilities, both in keeping some of these guys and going through that dramatic change. Uh, But right now, we just don't know. And I think that was the most telling part about the entire press conference is when we hear the president of baseball operations say that there is no clear-cut budget, well, it's hard to talk about what you can and can't do until you know that specifically. And until you know that specifically, I don't think there's going to be a clear-cut path forward for this front office yet. Yeah, and both him and Tom alluded, obviously, to what we all are well aware of, which is the COVID situation, the potential for vaccines, and, you know, that timeline looking at least optimistically, like perhaps you can get certainly some fans back in the ballpark, things like that. Uh, They both alluded to that a lot, and just they, you know, privately, they may have a a clearer picture, I, I would think, than they're leading on. Um, but clearly a lot of this is fluid and, you know, may literally be changing by the day or by the week or just as, as well, that's what, that's what Rickett said too. He said basically the budget planning and he used the word fluid, uh, and that's going to be dependent on where this country is with COVID in the next two months, right? You see the spikings are going all around the country of the holidays. It's hard to prepare for baseball in almost what less than four months in spring training and what is this now almost like two and a half months so it is right around the corner and you just can't prepare for it until you have some degree of certainty here's where i think we're gonna get into the the paths so we'll have a little more on this press conference but again there wasn't that much there and i think a couple of these maybe more standout quotes i guess um are going to inform this discussion. So at the press conference, you know, there, there's not that much more to dig into on this, um, but I think some of the, the tidbits will push the conversation, so we'll end up kind of still staying within the realms of this press conference. One thing uh, that I do want to note is that uh, they, Jed talked about, they are, you know, currently looking for a general manager uh, to fill the now vacant role that Jed was in. Uh, And it does sound like they are looking outside for that, which uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for the last month, if you read that quote and thought, oh, wow, Corey's probably going to be happy, you're correct at that. Um, I am rather pleased with that. And again, it just comes from a, a very simple perspective of wanting new voices, new direction, new paradigms, a new way of looking at things. Um, And we had talked about someone like Dan Kantrovitz maybe being promoted to that as he has not been with the the organization as long as someone like Jed or Jason McLeod. 
but I think there's real benefit in bringing someone from the outside, right? Jed is obviously a carryover of Theo. Jed spoke at the beginning of his press conference, effusive in his praise of Theo Epstein, their relationship, what he's learned from them, their working environment, and, you know, how they had an office where their, you know, uh, walls could be open so they could scream at each other throughout the day, things like that. So that influence, while Theo is not here, that influence is clearly going to be here, not just in Jed either. Uh, so I think there's real value in bringing in someone who's been with another organization, who has operated in a different system, and just getting new eyes on this organization and, and helping Jed to, you know, kind of forge his own path, right? Like Jed isn't Theo. And, you know, I think initially that's scary, right? Because Theo's the man. Uh, but Jed's been in this game a long time. Jed has accomplished a lot in the game of baseball with several different teams coming from, you know, very different budgets and uh, fan bases and, and, and expectations and things like that. And I think that bringing in new eyes and sort of freshening up this front office is, is going to help Jed kind of lead his own era of Chicago Cubs baseball and, you know, not uh, necessarily just fill Theo's shoes, so to speak. Uh, so that's that's one of those process things that they're looking at now. Uh, I don't think Jed gave a timeline on that, but it's probably a process that they're going to be pretty diligent in, in, in interviewing candidates or looking across the league to fill that role. Um, so what I want to do now Brendan, uh, is I think talk about these paths and where where we're hearing and 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 just what seems to be on the table for the Cubs in this offseason. And as always, I want to start by saying this, all right, because I want this very clear and I don't want to have to repeat this as we go through the conversation. And I will speak for Brendan here. He can tell me if I shouldn't be, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm we'll okay see. in this one. Um, what Brendan and I want more than anything in an ideal world is for the Ricketts family to spend as much money as humanly possible on this baseball team. And so that they have the biggest payroll in the league every year, and they are the best team in the league every year. Full stop. That's, That's what we want, okay? So when we talk about this coming forward, because uh, uh, here's a spoiler alert, that is not the path they are going to take, right? So when we address that, I don't want it getting twisted at all that we are advocating for any of these plans, that it is our first choice, that we're happy about it, yada, 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 right? We got to live in reality. I've said this a million times. It just doesn't benefit us to sit here and spend an hour saying, well, this plan sucks. They should just spend more money. I agree. You know what I mean? I'm a season ticket holder, right? Like I've been giving them money. And so all these off seasons where they're pinching pennies and talking about how much money they're losing, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it just as much as any of you. But we're, we're, we're trying to live in reality here. We're going to be pragmatic about the conversation, but just want to make that clear. In, in my mind, a family of billionaires that bought the team and that sends me and all of you emails and letters every single year about how the on-field product is always the priority. We're going to deliver the best product to our fans. Winning a championship is the goal every year, right? Like some of that just doesn't square with how some of the stuff we hear in an off season like this, right? Like uh, biblical losses or not in the 2020 season, it's just not what we've been sold about this process to a degree, right? So again, just want to make that clear. Anyway, we can move on. So I don't know about you, Brendan, but I view this off season as potentially having maybe four different paths, two of which I think are realistic and that we're actually dealing with, and we'll delve, delve into more, and two of which that technically exist but I don't think are going to happen. Uh, the two that technically exist that I don't think are going to happen is the one I just mentioned, which is the Ricketts say, you know what? I read the press. I've seen the tweets. Screw it. We're going over the luxury tax. We're spending $250 million. Let's go, right? That is not going to happen. The other end of that spectrum is the other extreme, which is a full rebuild like we saw when Theo took over, gutting this roster to the every last morsel that has any value, gutting the payroll, 
and setting yourself up to be one of the worst teams in the league to start racking up draft picks and doing it all over again, right? I think that that is technically more likely than the let's just spend wildly scenario. I don't think either of them are happening. Um, And I certainly wouldn't fault you for taking this comment at face value during the press conference, but Jed pointed out in the press conference that he believes they can make moves uh, geared toward the future and still be competitive in 2021. And Tom Ricketts also reiterated that sentiment uh, and adding, I don't think anyone is tearing anything down. Again, you don't have to take these comments as truth or gospel, but this is what they said, both of them. So to me, at the very least, that suggests that a full rebuild is not what is in the plans. Uh, And this is also where I mentioned earlier that the terminology here is going to be important. It's going to mean stuff to different people. Um, But depending on who you're talking to, a rebuild, a retool, a restructure, a soft rebuild, right? All of these terms have sort of very varying meanings to different people. Um, but when we're talking about a rebuild, at least for my purposes, Brendan, I'm referring to absolutely gutting everything. If a player has value, he's gone for prospects or international free free agent money or cash relief, whatever it is. I'm gutted. The roster's set up to lose 100 games a year, that type of thing. That's what I mean when I say a full teardown, a full rebuild. I don't think that's happening. I don't think we have really any indication that that's happening. Uh, And there is a big runway of difference between that and slashing the payroll and, you know, maybe not putting your best foot forward in 2021, but not you know, a full rebuild. I just think there's a a big difference there, and I want to clarify that. So that leaves us with what I see are two paths that are kind of similar. There's just a slight difference, right? And to me, those are running it back to some degree, maybe getting rid of a couple of your kind of core pieces that have made up this team for a while to refresh the lineup, refresh the faces, give it a little bit of a different look. But not spending much money in replacing any of those things and, you know, sort of generally just running this back, but it's cheaper this time, right? So it's the same rotation, but instead of John Lester and Jose Quintana, it's guys like Adbert Alzali, Alec Mills, Tyson Miller, Corey Abbott, whoever you, you know, can get to step up to fill those roles. The other is a more aggressive form of that, which is maybe moving several of the familiar pieces for whatever you can get. And in both of these scenarios, you're not really making moves for 2021 that have too much impact on the future, right? So if you're signing guys, it's very cheap to just sort of keep the team afloat in 2021, but not stuff that is going to linger on that budget beyond that. And then you plan to maybe hit the ground running again in 2022. Does that make sense? Does that that seem like a decent articulation of the kind of yeah, direction I mean, you we're have, looking at? You have two extremes, and then sandwich in those two extremes are probably more of the likely scenarios, right? Where I'm at currently, and this is all going to change once we get an idea what the free Asian market looks like. But the Cubs are the favorites to win this division next year. Trevor Bauer is gone. Sonny Gray is already rumored to be shopped around by Cincinnati. And then just looking at some of the projections, such as Steamer's projections, all they have is Luis Castillo with a projected FIP and ERA under four for next year, the Cincinnati Reds. And then comparing their offense to the Cubs offense, they're basically going you know hand-to-hand with what they currently got. The Brewers are trending downwards, and the Cardinals just got rid of Colton Wong because they too are probably extremely strapped for money. So the current position that the Cubs are at, in my mind, suggests they have a really good chance of winning the division next year. So the decision I think that will be made in this offseason is, like, how much do you want to emphasize 2021? Does it make sense to keep Chris Bryant, to keep Javi Baez with the knowledge that they could be free agents after one year? Does it make sense to do that and go for it? 
Or does it make sense then to trade Chris Bryant for a package that we've heard around floated that includes like a Victor Robles or Carter Kaboom from the Washington Nationals, which, which basically is like two somewhat fizzled out, really former top prospects. But that's what you're going to get for a Chris Bryant right now, it looks like. that He's going to be due $20 million next year. He's one year away from free agency. You're not going to get back what you imagined even a year ago. So what you imagined that you could get for a Kyle Schwarber or Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or anyone from the core, it's over. Those days are long gone. This is our current reality. So now I'm trying to conceptualize Does it make sense then to not just trade them for the sake of trading them in a cut budget, but if they can afford even their salaries without going out and making other free agent signings, maybe maybe it does make the most sense to try to go out there, win the division, see how you look, reassess around the trade deadline. Maybe you're going to spike Chris Bryant's value or Javi Baez's value. Maybe you even want to extend them. And if you don't ultimately do either, then offer them a qualifying offer, get a high draft pick back for the next year, and move about your way. But I don't see right now the Cubs fixing their issues via trading Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or both simultaneously. I think these issues that we're talking about are only going to be addressed through improving that farm system by creating that offensive juggernaut that really has not been produced over the last five years and finally getting some pitching value up from the system. Until those core features are addressed, it seems weird to say, but I don't think trading Chris Bryant or Javi Baez is a tipping point move for this franchise. I think it would have been a year or two or three years ago, but those those days have passed. It's, 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 it's hard to conceptualize for me, but Corey, like, I'm actually thinking that a trade of Chris Bryant isn't a big deal right now. Of course, it's a big deal, but in terms of looking at the future for the next five years, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as consequential as maybe we've been conditioned to believe for so many years now. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates, you will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st, and terms and conditions do apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You know, one of the key questions in this offseason is where do you see, if any, of these guys fitting into those future plans, right? So do you want to extend Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, any of these guys, right? 
then of course the question is can you right do you have the budget to do these things and that's where this particular season is murky and usually it is murky for a lot of teams when you're talking about guys who make a lot of money guys who are big time players uh who are in that last year of free agency you you do have a bit of a decision to make right and especially because the tricky nature of evaluating some of these guys just based on their performance the last couple of years uh for a, a varied number of reasons it muddle you know it muddies the waters quite a bit more so as I've said a million times, I'm not really. Sh- I, I actually, I just told you what my preferred path was, right? My preferred path is that we open up the purse and we spend a lot of money and we kind of give Jed a little more breathing room to not have to be perfect in however he goes about this. Um, but that's not going to happen. So the question becomes, you know, which of those I think two more realistic paths do you want to take? I've we've been saying this for weeks and I and I I'm sure some of you are tired of hearing this but I cannot stress it enough. The NL Central sucks. It well, that's really my point. really <laughs> sucks. I can't drive that point home enough because I think that it probably in Jed's mind and it should that does inform things. If the Cubs ran back this exact roster they would be a contender to win the division. They'd probably be the favorite to win the division right now. And, and the I'm other teams kidding. are getting worse. They're right. actively getting worse. Trevor Bauer is not going to re-sign with the Reds, and they were a hot mess until barely making the playoffs in that 60-game season, even with Bauer putting up a second-place Cy Young yeah, season. second place. Uh, right. Just to clarify, in reality. So... I'm the, you know, they're a mess. They're a cobbled together mess of random contracts. I couldn't care any less about the Reds. The Brewers had their little window with Yelich and Arcia and Braun and Hader, and that they didn't do anything with it, and it's gone now. Yelich has had a bad year, and they've the talent has been going away from that team much quicker than it is coming back. And they've been as cheap as anybody even before the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to them to have much of an overhaul. The Pirates are one of the worst teams in the league. And the Cardinal, you know, the Cardinals are the Cardinals, right? Like they're also cheap. uh, And you know, they're, they're just one of those teams. Like, they find ways to be competitive. They find ways to be, like, middling at worst, right? Like, they're around, and if they hit that higher percentile, they win some close games, you know, they'll be competitive. But the point that I want to stress here is that, like, when you're—if you're the Padres, for example, you're feeling really good about yourself. You're probably going to make some moves this offseason, try to position yourself to win that division— from the Dodgers for the first time in eight years, you're looking at that thinking, we got to figure out a way to win, what, 95 to 100 games, right? Somewhere that is not there. what's happening in the NL Central, right? Like this has maybe. 2003 vibes, like where a high 80s finish might win you this division, right? And we'll see how it all plays out. None of this is a sure thing right now. The offseason has barely started for most of these teams. But the the reason that I'm I'm really harping on this is because I think there is is a level of looking at some of the stuff we're hearing about the Cubs and thinking about the moves they're making, and I, I think people are a little too quick to write off 2021. Now, do I want the Cubs to win the NL Central with 87 games? Like, is that my ideal situation? Like, uh, you know, of course not. Like, that doesn't position them to be. Uh, the top team in the NL. It doesn't position them to be a World Series favorite, whatever. But if you can be competitive and give yourself a chance to screw around in the playoffs in a year that you are not putting all your chips on the table and, you know, kind of maybe gearing toward the year after or whatever, then fine, right? Like the there's The counter to that, the counter to that though, Corey, okay. which is not my counter, but I I'm know. playing devil's advocate. The counter to that is if you go down down that round 2021 and you just not bring it all back, but bring the majority of the guys back and try to go at it, what is the consequence of doing so for 2022? And so some, some fans may argue, well, we've done this now for the past four seasons and look where it's gotten us. Mm-hmm. It's gotten us 
almost no playoff wins. It's gotten us all this weird stretches of lackadaisical offense. Why bring it back? Why not bring it up a little bit? Right. And then have your eyes on 2022. So that that is the other argument that's being made. I don't buy it. And I think you know my reasons for not buying it. But I think you just stated them. Right. Well, I think like really there's there's issues with this offense. There's no doubt about it. There's issues with projecting the offense in part because of all this uncertainty we've seen over the last two years. And the uncertainty was Chris Bryant's injuries, Javi Baez's injuries, a COVID season. We lost a year of of valuable projections. And so that's that's where the uncertainty for me comes in. But I still think you can mix and match and maybe trade still from that core, such as Kyle Schwarber, may, maybe even Chris Bryant, if your intention still is to win in 2021. I still think it's possible to put out a winning team next year, win that division, while really not sacrificing anything for 2022 and beyond. And that's that's my point. If you're gonna scrap it and break it all down, Corey, you have no you have very little pieces to scrap it for. Like you're not gonna go out there and trade a cost controllable starting pitcher like Jeff Samarja for a decent package back. You're not gonna go out there and get some of these top prospects that they've been able to do while they're rebuilding. It's because the current situation is one to two year windows of highly expensive players. The the ship has sailed. So that's the decision I think we have to try to come to terms with is with that knowledge, with accepting that you're not going to get back the guys you wish you could get back, does it make sense to keep it for now in a one-year window, get that draft pick back, or trade these guys for former top prospects who have had their struggles and flip the coin and hopefully get lucky and doing so get more cost-controllable talent that way? I'm not willing to do that. Victor Robles does not impress me. Carter Kaboom does not impress me. They have There's no mass- way it's pronounced kaboom. It is. Right? Well, I'm, I'm saying kaboom. What is it, kaiboom? I don't Whatever. know, but I just doubt it's It's kaboom. in there. I'm yeah. not adding this out. It's kaboom in my, in my, in my mind. But they had, they've had their issues. And if that's the package we're looking for, hell no. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll, I'll take a risk in getting a qualifying offer back or trading KB at the deadline if they have to, if they have to get rid of it for financial reasons. But that just doesn't make sense to me. And I've seen that a lot. You know, talked about, and I understand it. It's not to say, oh, this is a dumb idea. I get the idea. It's just something I'm not willing to accept right now. I want some degree of certainty, even in an, in an uncertain situation. And trading Chris Bryan for like former top prospects? Are you kidding, man? Like that just doesn't cut it for me. Yeah, I think that that's sort of the the key question here is what is the potential return for some of these guys. And that's where you get into, I, I, I believe that in my mind, uh, and this is all mostly made up. I mean, this is, you know, I put it together through what I read. I don't know is. what the exact paths are for them, right? Like I'm not, you know, I, uh, just to clear things up, I am not a candidate for the open GM uh, vacancy. So I am not did in you, the loop. Did you apply though? I mean, you have a pretty impressive resume. I emailed Jed. Uh, Four we'll front offices, um, podcast co host So technically I am a candidate, but you know, yeah. not really. Yeah. A dark horse uh, is me. But like, to me, with the more realistic paths that we're looking at, if we're assuming that the budget is going to be cut at least fairly significantly, right, that's the key question. Is it worth it to move these guys if the return is not significantly moving the needle on years like 2022, 2023, and beyond? And at that point, is it worth it just to run it back, try in 2021, you know, with what you've got and, you know, see what you can do and then just let these guys go, right? Like, well, what would you want to do at this point? I know we're early in the off season, but I would have to know to what here. the return was. Well, let's assume the return is that similar package that, that Washington has been rumored to, to, to at least consider. So let's just assume you have a 23 to 25 year old, Former top prospect who has multiple years of team control, if he's good. Do you trade Chris Bryant for a package like that? 
I would prefer not to, Brendan. That would okay. So that's yeah. that's kind of that's kind of my point. Yeah. But people people see people see that deal, and they would do it. I would imagine it'd be like a sixty forty percent split on that scenario. But I could be misreading the room. Yeah, I mean, look, like I don't I don't have a a really good like scouting report on either of those you know those Nationals guys or you know some of these other names similar when they were talking with the Braves last year like I well, it's didn't just know. a general it's a general concept yeah, right yeah. yeah I I look like I would be trying to talk to Chris Bryant about a reasonable extension and hoping that him and Boris against hope right obviously yeah. this isn't going to happen uh you know, would sort of like accept the fact that he's been injured and that's a concern and, you know, it is what it is, right? Um, but but I, I think that's that also that's, risky though too, right? Like yeah. I love Chris Bryant, but you can't ignore what we've seen the last no, three sure. years. No, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, so, it, again, it's it's tricky. Like this yeah. is a, Jed has been delivered a very tricky puzzle to try and put together. Um, but I think that's the difference between those two more likely scenarios that I laid out is that in one of them, you're basically just saying, you know what, it is not really worth it in terms of future value to trade someone like Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or, you know, tender Kyle Schwarber and try to trade him or something like that. So we're going to run it back. We're going to let some of these contracts expire. And then we're going to have, you know, more money the following year. And we'll see what happens. And then in the other scenario, you maybe do find deals that you find worth it for one or two or three of these guys. I mean, I don't know. Uh, And you capitalize on that. You piece it together in 2021 and you know then you hit the ground running in 2022 I don't know again it's a subtle difference but I think that's the field we're working within um again Hoyer and Ricketts both stating that no one's tearing anything down uh they believe that they can be competitive in 2021 so uh, again they don't have to lay their cards on the table but what I, I it just I am not expecting a full rebuild and tear down and I laid out what I believe that is in the beginning and you know really look like if some of these moves happen and it does veer more towards that extreme then we should all be furious right like we should all be furious at the Ricketts I'm talking like what do we have to do to get them to sell the team furious because the the key thing that is is important to understand is the it was absolutely necessary it was almost their only course of action when Theo took over this team to completely gut everything and start over that is not where this organization is right now it's a world of difference this 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 team has flaws this organization has ways they need to improve but that team was mostly like 34 year olds on heavy contracts with a completely, you know, talentless, for the most part, farm system, a front office that, you know, was not great and was running on fumes, and just an organization at every level, philosophically, coaching, everything that needed to change. That's just not where the Cubs are. They've made some strides in the pitching development. They do have talent in this minor league system. Maybe that isn't necessarily ready tomorrow. You know, those top-end guys, Brennan Davis, Braylon Marquez, etc. But there is talent there. There is young talent that you can at least hope to get something out of on the major league roster and you also have guys on the major league roster who are young or controlled and you can envision contributing for a few years here so it's a very different place and deciding to completely gut this is a crazy decision just a a really really crazy decision Um, again sort of considering the fact that the the guys that you would have been able to get the biggest biggest you know haul for uh it, that's not there anymore so you'd be trying to do this from a real position of weakness for some reason uh that i just don't understand so yeah i think we're dealing in that in that middle area 
Um, and it's it's just going to be a question about how they decide to go about this. And you can look at some of these other guys. I mean, I, I know these are rumors that are not maybe not rumors, but just sort of like suggestions. Um, you know, looking at what would the return for someone like you Darvish be? What would the return for someone like Kyle Hendricks be? And things like that. And again, I don't know. Um, if you're looking at certain moves and you believe that there are returns and, and prospect halls or whatever it is that can really significantly alter the future of this team, I think Jed is going to explore it. I think he's going to pick the phone up on everything. Um, but again, the, the, the key factor that I would, would keep pointing out is, you know, you've got Hendricks, you've got Darvish for a few more years here, and a top of the rotation like that in a division that they are in can keep you afloat. It really can. And so, like, I I guess it gets into uh, an issue of, like, there's certain moves that if you're going to make them, you got to consider making more of them, if if that makes sense. Uh, But as currently constructed, this team can compete. And it just, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense to tear it down. I, I just don't think you need to do that. And as you've alluded to, Brendan, like, I don't, for some of these guys, I don't think you're going to get that game-changing prospect or whatever that is, you know, really significantly altering those those future plans. So I, I think ultimately we're going to be looking at maybe something close to running it back or running it back with a few of the familiar faces being replaced by really cheap free agents or guys like David Bodie and, you know, like letting, in a scenario you trade KB, like letting David Bodie start at third base, letting Nico start at second base and not signing somebody like Kipnis and stuff like that. Um, You know, like that's just sort of where I feel like this is heading. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, I mean, look, like they keep using the phrase threading the needle for a reason because that's what they're trying to do. It's it's not an easy task. And ultimately, really, no matter what they're going to do, you're going to have people that think they should have done something different. Uh, there, there's going to be a segment that if they trade Chris Bryant for even, let's say, that Nationals Hall, they're going to look and they're going to say, we should just trade as many people as we can because this team isn't going to be great. You know, maybe they can compete in the NL Central, but screw it. Um, and then there's going to be folks that say they shouldn't do any of that, right? And mm. so it's 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 still very vague at this moment. Uh, and I... I don't really know what what they should do. It, it it it's it's one of those things where I think the best way that we're going to have to go about this is to evaluate the off season in its totality when it's over. And I know that's not easy. And this is a reminder to myself as much as anyone else. Um, but looking at any of the forthcoming moves in a vacuum is going to be a mistake. I think uh, and not necessarily the proper way to judge all of this. I think we're going to have to let Jed do his thing, execute his plan to the best of his ability, and then when this team shows up in spring training or, you know, whenever the regular season starts, evaluate it all then and what the team looks like, what the future prospects look like, and and how it all pieces together. Um, Because I think this offseason is going to be full of like landmines, Brendan, where, you know, they're going to make a decision on Kyle Schwarber, they're going to make a decision on Chris Bryant, and I think people are going to be ready to unleash one way or the other, right, in being relieved or being excited or being horribly pissed off. And I, I think, unfortunately, for better or worse, you're going to have to wait until it's all over mm-hmm. to really put everything in context and say, okay, at first I thought this Chris Bryant decision was terrible and crazy, but maybe it makes a little more sense now that we're sitting here in March. I don't know. But that's just kind of piecing together all the information that we have for me. Well, that's a good point. I didn't think about, I guess, waiting to see what the following move is depending on who gets traded or who gets signed that that's an important thing to consider but one 
somewhat paraphrased quote from from Hoyer that also stood out to me was about potentially significantly changing things up. And he did say on the offensive side that he wants the offense to feel differently, of course, perform differently. But whether that means they're going to trade all these guys, that was something he wouldn't say. Hoyer did say he thinks the offense will look a little bit different, but what does that actually mean? It may not mean trading three or four of these guys from from the lineup. So it's a wait and see type game. But where I'm like where where I'm at is accepting one that discussing Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or Kyle Schwarber or Wilson Contreras. We trade them, fine, but you're not going to get the results you want alone from those deals, right? I keep saying this, and I'm just kind of pounding this into my own head, but I keep saying that because I'm also trying to reconcile the fact, and this is from Theo Epstein in years past, that every season is sacred. Like the 2021 season, if it were to begin today, the Cubs would win the division probably on paper. From all those projection models, they would win or be likely to win the division. And then when you consider just how off these projections are, which they are off, it does beg the question of even if you trade Kyle Schwarber or Javi Baez, and then you go in and you sign, let's say for the sake of an example, and and Andrelton Simmons or Didi Gregorius or Marcus Semien, Really, in terms of projections and the variance, it's almost negligible. I know they're very different players with Javi Baez being one of the most, most entertaining and defensively sound shortstops out there. But from an actual like math point of view, which I hate saying, it's probably not that much different. And so I'm thinking that it still might be possible to trade some of these guys and still really not alter that win projection that much. That being said, if you're trading these guys for like fizzled out top prospects and you're losing five to seven wins from your projection, you didn't, d- damn right. I'm also considering trading others if you're moving your win projection outside of that like variance window of winning the division. If you trade Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber and Javi Baez, and you're not getting immediate value back, well, you're probably losing around 7 to seven to 10 wins. And if you do that, wh- why is you Darvish on the roster? Like, he's going to be 34, 35. He has two more years left. If he wants to get out of the contract, then we're talking about a full rebuild. But I think that makes little sense, as is right now, for one reason. The Cubs are projected right now probably to win a division. And two, the, the return for these packages are just probably not going to be there. So that, that to me signals we're going to get change, but maybe not the amount of change that you want, that we wanted two years ago. We got to get that. I got to get that out of my head. It's over. We're not going to trade Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber for what you wanted two years ago. It's done. This is the reality of our situation. The reality is we are a contender. <laughs> They're going to be free agents. But they can. there's a path forward while, I think, competing next year while also sustaining that window of success beyond 2021. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I, I think that they can make some moves perhaps geared towards the future and maintain a competitive team in 2021. Which Again. I think is the likely scenario, Corey. Like, that's what I mean by that. I'm... Man, the division sucks so bad. Like this front office is so smart. They know these potential options and they know the market or they have an idea of what the market might be. I think like the logical step is to do that. In in an ideal world, right, you're looking at the state of the division and you're spending wildly to just be a juggernaut in this division. I mean, if if you if you really supplemented this team, I mean, you could be on top of this division for as long as the Dodgers have been in the NL West, like eight years. It's this division is that bad. The market is going to be weird for some of these players. It 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 would be a great time to be scooping up some of these guys on cheap contracts and just loading it up, right? But Washington do that for one year. <laughs> they're not going to do that, right? You never know. 
No, I do know. They are not going to spend a lot of money. What do no, you No, I'm saying like you never know. They could get some of these guys on one-year deals and I I don't know. No, Maybe I'm being They are not going to spend a, a significant board. enough amount of money to actually execute that plan. That will not happen. I can say that with the utmost certainty. If I'm wrong about that, I'll get on here and apologize to Tom myself personally. Um but I think you know the idea of trying to be competitive and and you know maybe not putting your best foot forward in 2021 from uh, you know and and every asset available to you perspective i i think is probably yeah i th- i think that's what we're going to see and you know again like some of that can just mean not going out and spending on replacements for some of the guys that have gone um you know what was you know Lester and Quintana combined is what almost thirty million dollars last year, something along mm-hmm. those lines, twenty five, yeah, like thirty million dollars, whatever it is. Yeah, so 32. that's that's not there anymore. And you know, you replace the three in the rotation probably with Alzali, right? Well, I don't know about that. I think Alzali, of course, right now would be, but that free Asian market, there's. I think it was uh, who was it? It was Eno Saris. I, I want to say it was Eno Saris. Love that guy. But he was suggesting that there could be 20-plus pitchers on the market right now that could be on one- or two-year deals next mm. year. Yeah. Think about that. 20 guys right now. So I, we're going to sign someone if they do want to compete. Well, I what I meant, though, was that even if, if you're, you're looking to slash payroll and you're looking to sort of uh, stay afloat in 2021 but not really, like, do that much— like mm-hmm. atop of the rotation of you Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, and what Al Alzali looked like, at least to some degree, in that 2020 season after he made some of those adjustments, like that has the potential to be a very fine yeah. top of your rotation. Well, relative to the division, sure, too. yeah, we're not that's, saying, well, but oh, that's but, what I mean. That's the yeah. first step. So yeah. you know, that's that's what we're talking about. Yeah, like look, I, I mean the the. The situation where this team is constructed for 2021, where we're going, whoa, like they're going to compete with Atlanta and LA. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. You can beat them in a playoff series, but just in terms of like looking at these teams on paper, I I don't think you're going to be thinking of it that way. Um, But that's what I mean. Like you can go into this without much change or, you know, spending more money on this roster and it looks fine. Like, it looks competitive. Is that where we want to be? Is that where we were all hoping that this Cubs organization was going to be? Like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Of course not, right? But, like, this is what they're doing. So I think that that's kind of what we have to operate in. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it gets like a little long-winded and it, it kind of gets off the rails because, again, like, we just don't have any idea what they're doing. Um, we don't know the decisions they're going to make on some of these tender decisions. We don't know what the potential returns are on some of these guys exactly. Um, and in the press conference too, you know, they asked if there were any talks of, of extending any of these guys. And, and Jed said that they were not currently actively engaged in any extension talks, but that they they do have some of these guys that they'd like to be in their future plans. So what does that mean? I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, who is he talking about? What does that mean? I couldn't tell you, right? And it, and does that mean, well, I'd love to extend Chris Bryant, but Tom's not giving me the money. I, I don't know, right? So that's that's sort of where this all comes back to is we we really need like even just one chess move, from this front office and then we can kind of like maybe map out the rest of the board a little bit um but to to bring it all kind of back i i I still believe and and again you can have different definitions and a a different sort of way of thinking of things but I, i think that you're looking at two likely scenarios and i think they're very similar uh but there is a little bit of a difference from them. But again, I, I want to reiterate to kind of try to remember that a lot of these words have have different meaning and there's a big difference between them, right? Slashing payroll, a retool, a soft rebuild, things like that. These are all different things and they're all very different than a full-on teardown and rebuild. 
Um, they would all have different implications. We can all react to them very differently. And, you know, really, as we sit here right now, I, I genuinely don't know what is the best course of action with the ultimate goal of being this team competing for championships on a regular basis. Um, I'm not positive what the best course forward is, but I, I think it's going to be something like those middle two, where this roster either looks rather similar uh, it's just cheaper in, in, in as many ways as possible, or it looks, you know, sort of uh, significantly different, but overall there's not, uh, you know, a complete overhaul of, of what this team looks like. That's where I think we land, and I feel more confident in that having watched this press conference and having watched uh, Tom and Jed kind of talk through this. I think it's going to be something where they can sell it as the team being competitive because they know they can compete in this division, but it's 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 not going to be completely torn down and it's also not going to be significantly built up, right? Like they're not going to spend a ton of money on this team. That's just what I think. We'll see how it all plays out, but watching this press conference uh where Jed was introduced, I'm sort of more emboldened in thinking like, yeah, we land somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, well, I think we just don't know because the front office currently doesn't know either. And so I, I, I think what we've discussed are likely scenarios, but context could change in the next few weeks, and that could determine what the front office ultimately does. But I've heard comparisons to treating 2021 in the same way that the Yankees treated 2016, when at the trade deadline, they weren't really like out of contention completely, but they still made the decision to forego complete competitiveness 2016 for the sake of their future. I see the comparison. I see the similarities, both the big market teams, both in similar situations projected uh, in, in, in the season, but I do think the situation with the Yankees and the Cubs is different, and it's different because the Cubs, uh, one, are in a different type of market, but two, they're also in a different division. The NL Central is not the AL East, and the context has changed. The sport of baseball has drastically changed within the last five years. I mean, we can see what the Cubs have done in the last two years with their baseball infrastructure. So the timing is different. I don't think it's a, a fair comparison. And I got to say, if the Cubs are competing by the trade deadline, I don't think we're going to see an equivalent deal um, that the Yankees made when they ultimately sent Chapman to the Cubs. I don't think that's going to be a, a similarity for the Cubs. I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. But uh, the only reason I mentioned that because I don't really want to compare this year to the 2016 Yankees because the context, in my opinion, is just not appropriate. Sort of to wrap up here, uh, we are getting toward that non-tender deadline uh, where some decisions, and you know, Jed kind of talked about this in his press conference where uh, you know, maybe you'd like to have a little more time to plan some of these things, but that deadline is that deadline and you have to make moves by that point on some of these guys. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. It is rapidly approaching uh, and is going to inform a lot of this or at least give us a little bit of a hint as to what is going on. But I'd, I'd like to finish, uh, it's, it's on, on the lengthier side, I guess, but a, a quote from Jed in this press conference that I think brings this all full circle and kind of, I think, articulates a lot of what we talked about and uh, also is nice and ambiguous enough that you don't really know exactly what the takeaway is. Uh, so this was Jed in his introductory press conference. I think in this job, you always have one eye on the present and one eye on the future. I think the truth is, given the service time realities that I mentioned, I think that eye may be a little more focused to the future than usual. But that doesn't take away from the goal. And the goal is always to make the playoffs and give this organization a chance to go deep in October. There are always challenges in trying to do both. I think you do have to have your eye on both things. You have to be opportunistic when decisions come up that allow you to do both. As far as competing on the field, we have great players, and this group has been together for a while. I know there's frustration by how things have ended the last few years, but I think at some point you have to look at the bigger picture. We did win the division this year, 
here. We are really talented. I think we can do both. But it does probably mean being a little bit opportunistic at certain times. So read into that however you like. That is your new president of baseball operations. Uh, And I think, Brendan, that that kind of encapsulates what we talked about. Like if the opportunity is there to make progress on years like 2022 and three and four, then maybe you do that. But also acknowledging that the team as constructed did win the division. They are good enough to compete. And even if that is not at the level that you want, that's still something that is worth pointing out. Um, So before I sign off, I have one more quote from our new president of baseball operations. Uh, And I think it's, it's the better one to end the podcast. And I wanted to read that, that longer one, because again, I think it, it does really sort of sum things up. Um, you can read between those lines and, and take that maybe more negatively, uh, or more positively. I'm not really sure. It's, it's sort of ambiguous. And, you know, I think really the takeaway is if there's stuff that we can do to improve the future, that might take priority over making the 2021 team as good as we possibly can but we have to see if that opportunity is there. And we're still waiting as fans to see if that opportunity is there and if Jed decides to take it. Uh, But where we'll end uh, is, you know, a a quote that I think was a good one Um, and and one that whether 2021 is going to be a struggle or uh, something that is maybe less fun than the last few years have been or not, I, I think is the type of thing you, you, you know, you just want to hear, get you a little bit hyped up, give you that, that little glimmer that we'll deal with this sort of unorthodox off season coming off of an unprecedented baseball season and, and just situation around the world. Uh, but, you know, feel confident in in this guy leading the charge and and the passion that he has. Uh, And so from Jed Hoyer, this is Chicago, this is the Cubs, and this is Wrigley Field. The grass is definitely not greener anywhere else. That's your president, Jed Hoyer. This has been the Cubs Related Podcast. Have a good holiday, uh, however you're celebrating. Um... That's it. That's all we have for you. As always, we end by saying, Go Cubs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.